Women in Medicine. This is Dr. Me First, a podcast all about authentic conversation between female physicians. Through our conversation, we hope to inspire, encourage, teach, and build community with our fellow sisters in practice. Also, we have a lot of fun. Today is episode number 11, and I'm talking with Dr. Dina George with her word being acceptance. So stick around for our conversation and afterwards, you'll get a kick of encouragement. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Wiseman back with you with another interview. Today I am speaking with Dr. Dina George. I'm gonna let her tell you all about herself. So go ahead, Dr. George. (laughs) I'm also a family medicine physician and a life and weight loss coach and do some hospitalist medicine uh, on the side. It is a treat to be here. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I'm so glad that we've got connected. Um, where did you see my post to um, schedule with me? It was, it's on the family or the female physician entrepreneur. Yes. I love that group. It is such a wonderful group um, to get in there and have just congenial conversations. So, well, good. I'm so glad that you've come to speak with me today. And today our word is acceptance. Tell me why you picked this word. I think it is one of the hardest things, at least for me and for many of the people that I see, whether it's in the community or it's in the clinic, uh, is learning to accept what's around us and what's going on within us and then moving from there as opposed to the fighting that we do on the inside, the fighting that we do with each other when we don't want to accept what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so true. Just not in like our professional life, but definitely in our personal life. I know that as I have um, come through my 30s and had three children, um, acceptance of my body has been a huge deal. Mm -hmm. Tell me how you work with people through that. It's a lot of taking a slow, deep breath. And, And when I see people, it's or when I talk with people about it, it's it's usually the the thoughts that are coming up are it shouldn't be this way. Like my kids shouldn't bite, my body shouldn't look like this, my schedule shouldn't be this full, <laughs> whatever it is. And that's where the fight is. Uh, so starting with just taking a deep breath and then saying, it's right now it's it's just okay. And looking at where the energy is going when we're not accepting, or at least when we're fighting, where that energy is going, and then how we can reclaim that. Yeah, I think it's like you said, just the acceptance of the moment. It may not be what you want at this present time, but instead of fighting that resistance, just accepting and saying, this is where I'm at. Um, I will not forever be here. But for right now, I'm just going to breathe in the moment. I think that's so beautiful. And I love that we have a common tie together um, through life coaching. Tell me a little bit about how you got into life coaching. A couple of years ago, I decided that I was sick and tired of the way that I was thinking and the way that I was overthinking and over worrying about things. And I, I was ending the day frustrated. And then I, I figured there's got to be something better. Like I can't just get older and get more of this because this isn't fulfilling and it's not serving anyone well, it's not serving me well. Absolutely. And, and I started listening to the Life Coach School podcast and thought, oh, wow, it's just full of what, what we do, how we do it, and how we could do it differently. 
And each episode, I just wanted to listen and then listen again. And then there was a group program that opened up and I thought, well, I could do that. And I, I have a lot to learn. I love learning. So I joined the program and then started doing the work and thought, wait a second, it doesn't have to be as hard as I made it. Wow. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> and then from there, I just, I just kept wanting more. So when did you decide that you were going to go just from a learner of coaching to coaching other women? It was about a year ago, a year and a half ago. And the announcement came out that there was training available or it was offering training. And I thought, well, I could do that too. And at least if nothing else, I could learn more and use more and in whatever capacity. And so I went to the training about a year ago and then just, I just love it. I love having conversations that are real, like that touch our heart and that make the the day a little bit brighter, make the night a little calmer uh, and decided that that was the best fuel for my life. Absolutely. I can 100% relate with that. So I went and got coaching training about uh, three years ago and kind of similarly went out and decided hell, I can have my own business and um, started um, doing a side hustle with uh, life coaching about a year, year and a half ago as well. So that's so exciting. I'm so glad for that. Don't you feel like as a physician life coach that once you kind of get into learning um, about coaching and you start learning the exercises, I felt like, and I I just want to hear your thoughts. How did you feel like that infiltrated your practice as your practice of medicine? You know, it does every day. And I I think I've become a stronger doctor because of the questions that I ask now compared to a year ago. And because of the time that is allowed for somebody to answer and somebody to really think about it. So I had a patient a couple of days ago who came in and the reason they came in, it was, uh, I think they were coughing or, or there's something going on with their body. And so as we explored it more, well, it turns out they started smoking the week before. (laughs) And so I thought, well, well, that's curious. Why did you start smoking last week? I don't know. I said, you know, it's it's not usual that somebody just decides one day, I think I'm going to go start smoking. Like, how much were you smoking? A pack a day. Like, really? Like, you went from never smoking at all to a pack a day for the past week, I was like, did you feel terrible? He's like, I felt terrible. Mm-hmm. And so the more we explored it, the more it got down to what the problem was, which was anxious symptoms. Mm-hmm. And the more we explored that, what the real problem was is that he never thought anxiety was real. Mm-hmm. And he always laughed about it. Like if anyone else was experiencing, he was like, that's not even real until it happened to him. And then he didn't know what to do about it. So somehow smoking became a great option. Yeah, so that's amazing. We, we could have just, started with an addressed cough or addressed that he wasn't feeling good. But the more that we just kind of peeled back the layers and it was the coaching training of saying, it's okay to do this. It's okay. Let's just go. Let's just see where it takes us. The more we could get to what the real problem was. Yeah. I find sometimes the most powerful question is what else, you know, like when you make somebody go one layer deeper to mm -hmm. be like, so you're smoking. What, what else about that, that you're not telling me? I would 100% agree with that, that uh, with with going through coaching, it's almost like the training that they should be giving us in med school, you know, like learning to sit with silence. I don't know about you, but I had such a difficult time 
um, learning to sit in silence. Like I felt like I needed to fill the space or I needed to ask another question to the patient that I was seeing. And it's remarkable if you just allow yourself to sit in silence, what that other person comes back with. You know, the quote is always, you know, your patient will tell you what's wrong with them. You just have to let them. But I really, truly did not experience it until after I became a life coach. Yeah, it, it's amazing. You know, as a doctor, people come in and they, they expect us to have the answers. They want us to have the answers. They give us all of their power and not realizing that so many of the answers are within them. We just have to kind of figure it out. So the patient came in because of cough, but he really had the answer, which was there's something going on within me. And a doctor can't fix this necessarily, can help me tease it out. But the doctor doesn't have the answer so much as has the process or the tools to help me get there. And that's what I think is so remarkable about life coaching. That is one of the fundamental core beliefs is that the answer is within the person that you are talking Mm -hmm. to. And again, that kind of flips medicine on our heads because, you know, we are always told we are the expert, um, you know, to discover the diagnosis. And um, I remember in my first couple coaching classes, you know, I questioned people still like a doctor. <laughs> they were like, and they called me Dr. Aaron just out of respect. They're like, Dr. Aaron, you've got to start asking open-ended questions. <laughs> so for anybody mm-hmm. who's thinking about life coaching, I just put that out there and say, um, yeah, I wasn't good at it at first. Did you find it challenging when you first started? Right. Because I want to have the answers. <laughs> like I, I want to yeah. just go straight to it and say, this is what it is. But, but we don't empower people that way. So yeah, it was uncomfortable and I sucked and it took time to get comfort, get more comfortable with that discomfort. And I find, so my primary, um, target market for coaching is professional moms and physician moms. And I find Mm -hmm. so many of them and I appreciate that they come to me for answers, but when I am their coach, I really try to only give questions. Tell me about that in your experience. So the, the same way and to, uh, to really try to bring humor into it too, how when the brain's like, I don't know, or the brain wants to shut down to just bring humor and say that happens to all of us and laugh and then um, to keep, continue to just nudge the mind into going a little bit farther and nudge it and ask a different question and, and to make it as playful as possible uh, for the experience. And then remind myself, like truly to coach myself, that it's not about me finding the answers. It's about being a portal for something else, for someone else. Absolutely. Absolutely. I always use the illustration. Um, a coach to me is, um, you know, that guide that helps find you in the dark cave and they hand the other person the flashlight and say, hey, walk kid, I'm here with you. You know, they're not a guide. Um, a coach is about helping you uh, discover some hidden jewels, maybe in that dark cave. I always think of like Snow White um, with all of that. And then walk you walk with you through the journey rather than lead you or push you <laughs> from behind as well. So, you know, because we're so both very passionate about life coaching, um, I feel like we're kind of ahead of the curve as far as with medicine and the acceptance of life coaching. Tell me, how, tell me or tell our listeners, um, 
what coaching is to you and why it's so important in healthcare for you. Coaching is really about empowerment. And when, wherever I'm at, if so if I'm coaching somebody, it's all about seeing that there's so much power, there's so much depth and clarity and wisdom, and it's just being covered up. It's being covered up by doubt or fear or uncertainty and however they present. True. And, and our culture doesn't, doesn't encourage moving past that. We've got a few heroes in our society, uh, but the individual journey of moving past that, we don't talk about that. And, and we don't, I don't think that we openly share it enough to say, of course, during medical school, I didn't feel like I knew enough or I could do enough. Of course, when I first started in practice, I was concerned and uncertain and had lots of doubt. Um, so it's, it's traveling that journey. And I think I've totally got lost on the question. <laughs> oh, no, no worries. That's fine. I was but that's, just, yeah, I think that's a great answer because, you know, I truly see a place for coaching in medicine. I think we need to move from um, the education roles of mentor and mentee or, I mean, there's always going to be teacher and student. But I think instead of being so um, dictatorship and how we educate um, if more attendings, if more um, clinical teachers could learn how to coach students, could learn how to coach residents, um, I think we as a, a healthcare culture would be more whole. You know, if we were more about instead of pimping people and making them feel so small and instead ask them empowering questions and build them up, oh my mm -hmm. God, that would change medicine as a whole. Right. I was working with a medical student a couple of weeks ago and would ask questions and I could tell that he was so concerned about being wrong. He didn't want to offer up a question. And so it was about opening up some space and then saying, I want you to be as wrong, to be wrong as many times as you can, because you're going to force yourself to make a decision and you're going to learn a lot more from that. And uh, so that's what we worked on. We worked on pushing past that point of being uncomfortable about how about formulating what seemed most right as a way to respond and then about continuing to build and questions that he could ask me or he could ask others to build his knowledge as well yeah absolutely because there's a huge transition when you go from scantrons when there's an absolute right answer to when you start seeing live patients and there's never a right answer. I mean, I hate to say it, but, um, you know, as soon as you think you figure something out, we're all human and something else pops up. We don't follow the textbooks. Um, and I really feel like the, the answer of coaching and, and being so um, penalizing in medicine, but instead of just being open and honest and having authentic conversations, like you said, um, when we started this conversation with the acceptance, you know, the acceptance to say I am human and I need to go to the bathroom at least every three to four hours, you know, because we don't, we are not doing that in medicine. Um, I think what I always term it is the hidden curriculum. You know, it's the stuff that maybe evidently wasn't said out in the open, but it is the perception that you get that um, if you don't know the right answer, you're not enough. Or mm -hmm. if you take care of yourself um, by saying, no, I, I, I need to leave at five for my family, you are not enough. 
And I, I think that is a, a huge theme to tell people to accept that you are enough and you yeah. are amazing. Yeah. It, it's so difficult when you see somebody struggling, you know, when we see our colleagues struggling. I was working on, on coaching a physician who is way behind on notes and kind of going through why that's happening and where the priority has been placed, but how that being behind on notes just puts a crushing burden at night and on the weekends. Mm -hmm. And that really affects clinical practice. So it's what we take on, what we carry, and sometimes we don't have to carry it or we don't have to carry it in that way that we can we can change our mind shift and we can find more fulfillment and more enjoyment and we don't have to do everything. Exactly. We can find, we can find ways to be more human. I think in, in working with patients too, they want us to have all the answers. I would love to have all the answers. And oftentimes I have to say, I have to ask questions and then just say, I don't know what the answer is. We're going to walk on this journey together and you're the expert on you I know some of what the textbook says. We're going to put that together and see where that takes us. Absolutely. But, I think that's what's reassuring um, to patients. You, it, I've used the same line. I, you know, I just have to come out and say sometimes, I don't know, but I'm here for you and I'm not going to give up on you. And I think that if we can convey as physicians that um, we truly are there for them, then um, that's what they're seeking. And that's the scary thing for me too, is because I know that when I went through burnout, that was one of the pieces that was most bothering to me that I, I lost empathy. I couldn't be there for my patients because my soul was so broken um, that I had to just cut that energy stream off with that. So talking along the same lines, like, because I know notes are a huge deal. Um, for many of our colleagues, it was a huge deal for me when I was um, doing outpatient. Walk me through the model that you use. I bet you use the thought model, don't you? Do thoughts, emotions, <laughs> actions. Tell our tell our viewers a little bit about how you um, coach on thought work because everybody does it a little different, and I always like to hear everybody's examples. Yeah. So I have somebody just tell me kind of what what they think the problem is. And, and the problem is never what we think it is. The, it's our relationship to what we think the problem is. <laughs> it's the feelings of the problem, what we're thinking the problem is, yes. Yeah, so, so the problem, just using my colleague as an example, the problem isn't, isn't the notes. The problem is why the notes aren't getting done. But it's not the notes themselves. Uh, so it's really kind of looking at the thinking that comes up from it. and. Uh, and then one thought leads to five thoughts, leads to several thoughts. And they tend to just kind of spin around like a tornado and they just gather energy. And so we look at that. We look at what the thoughts are. And then we look at how much energy is going into that. And we look at what that's creating or the feelings that go along with it. So for him, it was frustration. Mm -hmm. It was dread. <laughs> it was anger. And that is all going to work against getting any note done. Mm -hmm. So... It, in the thought model, it's, it's circumstances, so that's that's totally neutral. Like we write notes on every patient. It's the thoughts about it. I hate doing no, I hate doing notes. It's the feelings of frustration. The action was not doing them, and the result is just getting further behind. So it's showing somebody what they're thinking is creating, 
and usually in a visual way, just writing it out uh, and, and talking through it and then showing all the other thoughts and all the, the other feelings that go along with that and how that's working against them. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the next step, and it, it's usually a difficult step for people, is to start detaching from that because it just kind of feels good to hate notes. Yes. <laughs> and you or can commiserate thing, with others. Using <laughs> using our word today, it just accept the notes are going to be there. <laughs> right. So it's it's detaching from that. It's it's working to let go of that. And once you let go of that, it's amazing what opens up and how much creativity there becomes because there's lots of different solutions to how to get a note done. But you can't see any of them if the focus is, I hate notes and this is just burning up my time. Mm-hmm. So with that example, um, you help that person kind of see that the thoughts were uh, taking them backwards and working them against them. Then what's your next step? Do you try to help them like rework their thoughts or do you try to do like a replacement of thoughts? I, I think the first step is just looking at even though that has been there and that's kind of the, that's what, what has been ingrained and reinforced, that a person has a choice to continue that or not. And it's working on letting go of that. So it's working on sitting in the discomfort of, of saying, you know what, I, I want to be angry about this. I'm going to just sit in the discomfort of it and work to let it go. And each time it comes up, I'm going to work to give it less power or just stop giving it power altogether. Mm-hmm. Because that is not who this, this colleague is. That's not them at all. That's just one of the things that's going on for them, and it's keeping them from being their best self. And so we really work on it from that perspective. And, and when somebody can detach from that negative thinking and that negative spiral, it's amazing that they start to see the clarity, and they start to have the, the thoughts that they want to have. And they can move forward. It's the detachment piece that I really focus on. And then they, on their own, can start to bring in what they want to believe or what they do believe intrinsically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To kind of bring that more forward with it. Because it's amazing. Um, you know, our thoughts really do um, turn into our actions and those, you know, turn into our reality. So again, that's the special sauce and magicness of life coaching. So Dr. George, why don't you tell our listeners if anybody wants to get a hold of you or check you out, where can they find you? So on Facebook, it's Dina George MD Coaching. And there's a podcast called Creating Phenomenal for Your Life. <laughs> and we talk a lot about the the mind blocks and what keeps us from from thriving essentially in life. And that's on iTunes and Google Play. Awesome. Well, I am so excited with you today. I am so glad that we have talked about acceptance and our thoughts and detaching from them and everything medical wise. Any last parting words? Thank you so much. Your enthusiasm is awesome. Well, I love doing this. I love talking with my colleagues and we are going to change healthcare girl. Woohoo! <laughs> After talking with Dr. George, I just walked away with such a sense of 
connectiveness from her. And I don't even know what kind of kick of encouragement that I could give beyond um, everything that she said from that conversation. So what I did is I went back into the archives and found a blog post that I wrote about two and a half years ago. And so what I'm going to do today for your kick of encouragement is just read you that blog post. And I hope that it means um, as much to you as it did to me back then and as it still speaks truth to me. So here we go. It's called What the World Needs to Hear. Negativity is spewing from everywhere lately. Hatred and downright ugliness seems to be infiltrating and saturating everyone's mind. I say in my best mama's upset, we better straighten up kind of voice. Enough. Stop. No more. So here's my antidotes against the poison surrounding all of us. I pray it just enriches and encourages and nourishes your mind, body, and soul. So no matter what terms you use to describe your external or internal self, you are more than labels. You are worthy and worthy of love despite whatever or whoever has suggested otherwise. You are a sacred, special work of art created so uniquely there never have been nor never will be another you. Even more amazing is the you that was created in this span of time during this point in history for this purpose. Claim your personal power, use your strengths, become passionate in a way that only you can. Embrace that you are actually an expert, an expert for your life. Take faith in knowing that you can endure beyond hard times, harsh people, and challenging situations. As long as you have breath and a pulse, there is hope. Cling to hope. In every circumstance, statement, action, creates a choice. And I encourage you to choose love. I believe that the world is a better place because of you. I hope this blog leaves you encouraged and inspired. And I hope that this podcast has truly been a blessing on your soul. Well, that's it for today's episode of Dr. Me First. I would highly encourage you to go check out Dr. George's podcast called Creating Phenomenal for Your Life. And also, if you want to hear more about the thought model that we discussed today, it's term CT. F-A-R. And it was originally created by Brooke Castillo. So you can check that out, which will also be in the show notes. I really love the interaction that I've had with everyone in the creation of this podcast. You guys are amazing. It has been phenomenal. And I would love to hear more from you. Please come join me on any of my social media outlets. You can find me at Truth Prescriptions with Dr. Aaron Wiseman on Facebook, Instagram, or come hang out with me on LinkedIn if you like the professional side. So thanks for joining me today. And remember, your life, your calling, your pulse matters. Bye. Bye.